Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, Vice President Mike Pence spoke at a church where the ministers compared homosexuality with Satan. HIV infection rates have declined dramatically in the UK since 2012. RuPaul is announced to host Saturday Night Live, and a new docu-series on Apple TV Plus explores how LGBTQ people made our way onto the TV landscape. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. Vice President Mike Pence visited and spoke at a Memphis, Tennessee church on Sunday, January 21st, where the ministers preached about homosexuality as a product of Satan. The church, Holy City Church of God in Christ, also received a wider audience thanks to the sermon being streamed live on the official White House YouTube channel. According to NBC News, After Pence spoke to the congregation about standing up for, quote, the values that you hold dear, end quote, Bishop Jerry Wayne exhorted about the demonic lifestyle of homosexuality. Taylor also made the incorrect assertion that homosexuality occurs only among humans. He said, you never see two male animals coming together. We've got to expose what the devil is doing. Wrong. Glad tweeted on January 21st about Pence's appearance, quote, Wish we could say we were surprised that the vice president spoke at a church event where the bishop spouted vile things about LGBTQ people, but here we are, end quote. Glad also added this appearance to their list of anti-LGBTQ actions of the Trump administration, which now sits at number 136. A new report from Public Health England shows HIV infection rates in the UK have taken a steep decline since 2012. According to the figures released, new infections among gay and bisexual men have dropped from 2,800 in 2012 to 800 in 2018, representing a 71% decrease. Health authorities attribute the decrease to a number of factors. For one thing, encouraging the use of pre-exposure prophylaxis, PrEP, has become a focus for health officials in the UK. Studies show the once-a-day pill is almost 99% effective in preventing HIV infection. PrEP is currently available for high-risk patients in Wales and Scotland, but the BBC reports, quote, Many in England have had to wait until they can gain access to an impact trial, a study, that first began in September 2017. That trial is scheduled to end later this year. Also aiding in reducing new infections is a public campaign encouraging people to get tested regularly for HIV. And when new infections are discovered, those patients are immediately placed on HIV medications to bring their viral load down to undetectable levels, which means the virus can't be passed on to others. Of the estimated 103,800 people believed to be living with HIV in the UK in 2018, 93% of those had been diagnosed, 
and 97% of those diagnosed were receiving treatment. Among the HIV patients on medications, 90% of those were found to have undetectable viral loads. Contrast that with the United States, where the Centers for Disease Control estimate 83% of folks living with HIV have been diagnosed, and just 63% have been deemed to be virally suppressed. However, Debbie Laycock, head of policy at the Terence Higgins Trust in UK, noted the new report isn't all good news. She told BBC News that 43% of new diagnoses are being discovered at a late stage, particularly with men who identify as straight and those over 50 in age. Late-stage infections result in a much higher risk of death compared with early detection, and there's been a slight increase in new infections among black people and South Asian men. But Health Secretary Matt Hancock told the BBC News he feels the UK is on track to reach its goal of ending HIV transmission by the year 2030. A former dancer at a gay strip club in Atlanta has been sentenced to life in prison for killing his boyfriend. William Bradley Morgan, 37 years old, was convicted on multiple charges, including the murder of 43-year-old Brian Campbell, as well as aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, theft by taking, possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the two men met at a club in 2015. At the time, both were married to women. Morgan was employed as a dancer at the infamous all-nude Swinging Richards gay nightclub in Atlanta, and his estranged wife was living in Alabama. Campbell, an executive for Comcast, lived in Delaware with his wife and children, but business trips brought him to Atlanta frequently. The two men soon became intimate and secretly began living together. But over time, Morgan became financially dependent on Campbell. The financial situation, along with Morgan's addiction to methamphetamine and the secret nature of their relationship, eventually led Campbell to consider ending the romance. After spending the day at a racing event on October 1, 2016, Campbell apparently told Morgan he was leaving him. It was at that point that Morgan shot Campbell twice in the head. Attempting to cover up the murder, he wrapped Morgan in plastic trash bags and hid the body in a closet. He then turned the thermostat down to 45 degrees and lit a scented candle, presumably to conceal the smell. On his way out the door, he stole Campbell's Land Rover Discovery, two expensive watches, his cell phone, an iPad, his wallet, and a handgun. It would be four days until Campbell's body would be found when his wife contacted authorities filing a missing persons report. His abandoned vehicle was found in Calhoun County, Alabama. Two weeks later, Morgan was arrested in Jacksonville, Alabama after a standoff with police. After his arrest, he admitted to the secret relationship and stealing Campbell's belongings, but denied committing the murder. Morgan had previously spent time in prison for aggravated assault and domestic violence. This week, Fulton Superior Court Judge Sean Ellen Legras sentenced Morgan to life in prison. The conservative red state of Utah has become the 19th state to protect LGBTQ youth from the harmful practice of so-called conversion therapy, 
which seeks to change a young person's sexual orientation or gender identity. Utah's Division of Occupational and Professional Licensing adopted statewide rules protecting queer minors from the dangerous approach sometimes known as ex-gay therapy. Utah Governor Gary Herbert directed the division to develop the rules last year after proposed legislation to address the issue narrowly failed to pass the Utah legislature. In addition to the 19 states, the District of Columbia and more than 60 local municipalities have adopted similar protections. Every leading medical and mental health organization in the United States, including the American Medical Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics, has rejected conversion therapy as ineffective and dangerous for minors. National Center for Lesbian Rights legal director Shannon Minter released a statement which read in part, Utah's emergence as the most conservative state to address this issue shows how rapidly attitudes towards LGBTQ youth are changing in every part of this country. And Troy Williams, executive director of Equality Utah, said, Every reputable science-based organization in the country recognizes that conversion therapy is a dangerous fraud. It exacerbates depression, anxiety, and suicide ideation. We are grateful to Governor Herbert and the Board of Psychologists for acting swiftly on behalf of LGBTQ youth. As I've said many times here on The Randy Report, studies show LGBTQ youth who are subjected to conversion therapy are more than twice as likely to experience depression and nearly three times more likely to attempt suicide. Taking a complete 180 turn in subject matter, I attended the 2020 Gay VN Awards here in Las Vegas at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino this past Monday, and it was quite the gay affair. Performers, directors, producers, and fans of adult entertainment came out to celebrate and hand out trophies at the event that's been called the Oscars of Gay Porn. I've never attended an awards show for adult entertainment, so I was super curious as how this would all go down. No pun intended. One thing I did learn... When picking up your credentials at the media desk, don't stand in the background while porn star Cutler X is taking a photo because he will yell at you for photobombing. Now, the awards show did begin an hour late. Is that maybe being on gay time? But what followed was an impressive and well-produced event. Alec Mappa returned to hosting duties this year alongside new co-host, comedian and TV host Nicole Byer, plus... There was musical entertainment by King Princess and a special performance by Alyssa Edwards. At the event, I spoke to veteran performers Dallas Steele, who was nominated for Best Group Sex Scene and Favorite Daddy, and Brian DeVilla, nominated for Favorite Bear, and he also directed nominees in the Best All-Sex Movie category and the Best Group Scene category. I spoke to them about what events like the Gay VNs mean to them and their industry. Here's my brief chat with Dallas Steele, followed by the handsome Brian DeVilla. How do you feel about nights like this? Is this work for you? Oh, is this, this is fun a, for you? This is an absolute pleasure. Um, I love being here because it's a chance to interact with the fans and interact with other people in the industry. And it kind of gets you a chance to give everyone a big hug. Right. Um, I know a lot of people would perceive others here as competition, but I think we're all one big family, especially on this of all nights. You look around and you see all these these beautiful people here, and I think I, I would be if my mom were still around. I would be proud to have her here, yeah. Yeah. and I think she would be 
um, absolutely thrilled and charmed by everyone here. I think it's incredibly positive, not just sex positive, but positive about our industry. As we talk about how beautiful all the people are, they're also really smart. I find all of the people I'm talking to, because everyone's their own entrepreneur, they're, they're their Especially own businessman. only fans and just for fans. Right, how yeah. about that? Yeah. You know, I'm fascinated by the whole dynamic. I love it. I love that all of you guys can do this for yourself. Increasingly so. Love it. Yeah, I think all of us feel empowered by the, our own platforms now because we can choose who we want to partner with in scenes. We can choose what we want to charge. We can choose the marketing. It's absolutely running your own business. And I know some people feel that commercial porn is in contrast to that in competition, but I think they complement each other. Every time that I have a commercial movie come out, my OnlyFans and Just For Fans doubles. Um, so I think they, there's room for both. Certainly in the, the width of the internet, there's enough for both genres. There totally is. And I think they, they support each other. And all of you guys are being your own businessmen by running that. Like, you have to plan your own. Who are you going to shoot with? Oh, yeah. yeah. You have to, like, put that up yourself. You have to make sure you take care of all the accounting. You're looking at all of your own numbers. I, I think it helps if you've had good teachers in commercial porn. I'm fortunate to come from the Titan family. And I had a very good teacher in Keith Webb. Um, and Keith was excellent in terms of planning not only who you're shooting with, but the financial planning, even down to what you were having for lunch. Right. Always been a good planner to start with, so that part is very exciting. You're in control of your own world from start to finish. I love that. Have a great night. We'll be cheering for you from the back, but have a great night. Thank you. Awesome. Are you excited about tonight? I'm really excited about tonight. So you're up for a few awards. You're involved in what categories? I'm a director for Best All-Sex Movie, Yes. Best Group, yes. and Best Bear. Yay. Favorite Bear. Favorite yes. Bear. Not Favorite best. Bear. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel about nights like this? You know what? This is great. This is the year, I think, of mending fences, celebrating our industry. Yeah. Do you look forward to seeing people that you know? Is this like a big family reunion for you? It is. You know what? Porn's always been a fraternity. Right. It's like a weird fraternity. Right. The thing is, so many people come and go, though, is it like, oh, some people come back and you're like, wow, hi. It, you know, it's the nature of the industry, but I do count heads yeah. every every ceremony. <laughs> how many of us are still here? Yeah. yeah. Do you ever think about how many years you've been in the industry? I try not to. That's it. <laughs> but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's, it's a, a good, good thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your favorite part about this? The family. The family? The family. Yeah. Like lifelong friends I've developed. Right. Um, it transcends the, the work, right. the friendships. Well, you know, what I always find fascinating about this, because I'm a huge proponent of everybody doing what, what makes them feel good. Right. And I'm very, I, I love a sex-positive message. Yeah. And the thing about these awards, it seems to me, is we, it takes away from the stigma it that can happen about porn, which I right. hate. Because it, the business, by definition, is exploitive, right. and it can be de dehumanizing, but it doesn't have to be. If you go on social media, or, or there can be some judgy people out there, yep. and they will be the same people that watch your video. Absolutely. But they would be the ones going, oh, oh, I couldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. But they would probably die to be here, don't you think? They would. They'd probably die to like rub shoulders with all of you guys. So anyway, thank you for that. Thanks, Listen, Randy. have a great night tonight. Thanks, Randy. And I hope you have an awesome night. Uh, great to see you.
Some history was made and a barrier broken this year at the 2020 Gavians as D'Angelo Jackson became the first black performer to take home the trophy for Best Actor for his work in Blended Family. And Cade Maddox was honored for Performer of the Year. For a complete list of winners, head over to, where else? TheRandyReport.com. Apple TV Plus will debut a powerful new five-part docuseries titled Visible out on television on February 14th that will explore how the LGBTQ movement made its way onto the television landscape. Executive produced by out actors Wanda Sykes and Wilson Cruz, the documentary series will feature archival footage as well as interviews with prominent players from the screen and LGBTQ movement. Each hour-long episode will focus on a specific theme such as coming out in Hollywood, homophobia, invisibility, and the evolution of LGBTQ characters on TV. Narrated by Neil Patrick Harris, Lena Waithe, Janet Mock, Margaret Cho, and Asia Kate Dillon, Visible Out on Television will also feature interviews with out actors and television personalities, including Ellen DeGeneres, Anderson Cooper, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Billy Porter, Rachel Maddow, Don Lemon, Andy Cohen, and more. The trailer opens with DeGeneres explaining how she wanted to come out on her 1990s sitcom and the effect that it had on so many lives, saying, quote, it became bigger than any of us ever anticipated, end quote. Anderson Cooper recalls, the earliest representations were always people to be mocked. And Andy Cohen adds, the truth is there was no LGBT presence on TV that I can remember. On the importance of seeing LGBTQ people on TV, iconic talk show queen Oprah Winfrey drops this, quote, When you see images that are reflective of your own life, it is a reminder that your own life matters. And Lena Waithe shares her empowering epiphany, quote, I didn't realize that I was the revolution that I was waiting for. Boom. Visible Out on Television premieres February 14 on Apple TV+. NBC has announced that recording artist, actor, drag superstar, and Emmy Award winner RuPaul will host the February 8th episode of Saturday Night Live with Justin Bieber as musical guest. This follows the January 10th premiere of RuPaul's new scripted series for Netflix, AJ and the Queen as well as VH1's announcement that they will be bringing back RuPaul's Drag Race for a 12th season. Plus, there's an All-Stars 5 in the works and a new Celebrity Drag Race edition on the way. But wait, there's more. We've also received announcements of the first season of Canada's Drag Race and a second season of RuPaul's Drag Race UK in 2020. It's a good time to be Ru, no? RuPaul's SNL debut as host will air on NBC Saturday, February 8th at 11.30 p.m. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.